Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, we're connecting with supply chain experts from the resource group. And we are going to learn more about the COVID-19 vaccine and how the pharmacy team has been handling storage and preparing and getting ready to administer that. All right. So today we have two special guests on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Both are coming from the resource group. Um, Our first guest is um, Todd Adams, who is the COO or Chief Operating Officer of the resource group. And our um, second guest is Derek Imars, who is the area director uh, of pharmaceutical supply chain Midwest with the resource group. Um, In this role, Derek assists the resource group participants in achieving business transformation goals within the pharmaceutical space. Over the past few years, he has been integral in the strategic development of the resource group's national operations pharmaceutical community and has led many initiatives, including but not limited to deployment of inventory management standards, enhancement of pharmaceutical procurement and improvements within internal medication delivery. As a pharmacist himself, Derek sees his role as a bridge between finance, supply chain, technology, and pharmacy, working daily to enhance patient care. And this past year has been no different with Derek's efforts focused on mitigating COVID-19 and now the COVID-19 vaccine distribution. Derek and Todd, welcome you both to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Hillary. Um, so first, let's uh, talk a little bit about what is the resource group. And Todd, well, as the COO, let's go to you um, to answer that question. Thank you, Hillary. Um, the resource group actually was formed about 12 years ago. And uh, while we've refined our approach over those those 12 years, um, the main tenant has stayed the same uh, for, for that time. And it's really to transform resource and supply management functions, uh, utilizing what we call uh, user-directed integrated solutions. And there's really three parts to that. First part is operations and logistics optimization, second being strategic sourcing, and the third being change management. And a cornerstone of the resource group is, is lowering the cost of healthcare. It's that simple. And we have a tool on our tool belt because we have our own GPO uh, that, that aids with that. Um, and we also have an equal focus on customer service, and we're very proud of our net promoter scores and our customer effort scores. Um, and and we really do all of that by by listening to the end user first. So that's that's that first step in our process. Okay. And so so Todd, um, you mentioned kind of the synergy or the uh, between Ascension and the resource group, but there are many other clients as, as well that utilize the resource group for um, some of the different services that you mentioned, correct? Correct. Yeah. I would say we have both um, acute care facilities and ambulatory facilities that utilize our services. Um, and we have some industry participants too, that are part of the, the resource group that are really manufacturers within the healthcare industry. 
Um, thanks, Todd. So, Derek, tell us a little bit more about um, your role within uh, the national operations uh, pharmaceuticals community. Definitely, Hillary. So, with with my role, I see myself really as a translator, as a as a pharmacist with some business background training. I really enjoy connecting the pieces between the resource group, our participants, accounting, finance, uh, even technology, and then our outside vendors, which includes our manufacturers and any other uh, company that provides support to our participants. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit more about um, why this uh, specific subgroup um, is unique. Definitely. I think not a day goes by where we don't hear something in the news or a media outlet regarding the cost of healthcare and how expensive medications are getting for our patients and, and how difficult it is to, to take care of uh, patients who, who have that financial burden or that challenge. And the same is true at your, your corner drugstore, as you would see in a hospital setting. The, the cost for pharmaceuticals continues to go up. It, it continues to become a larger part of the supply expense for our healthcare organizations across the system. And it's, it's something that we uh, have to come to terms with and, and learn to, to mitigate and improve. And so um, within this space, we, we take that acknowledgement and we look at our customers, which are our participant sites, that's the, the pharmacy communities at our hospitals, and we, we come alongside them and we work with them to help enhance uh, business efficiencies, improve process, and reduce spend wherever possible. So that, as Todd mentioned earlier, there is a uh, tight collaboration that has to take place in, in order to build that trust, in order to build that that working model, and that's something that we pride ourselves in. Um, in order to achieve that strategy, we do have to follow a, a set of operational goals. We have to have a, a pointed north star to know where we're moving. And so those three goals for our organization uh, are first to develop a standard operating procedure platform for inventory and pharmaceutical inventory management. The second is the implementation of standard purchasing controls. And the third is to increase that collaboration between the resource group operations community, the participant pharmacy site, and the end users. So within the pharmacy space, the pharmaceutical space, the more we can automate and provide good process on the front line, uh, the more we can take care of our patients, but we can also take that back upstream through the pharmaceutical supply chain and go back to manufacturers and, and work with distributors and say, Here, here's our demand for these products. Here's what we're using every year. Can we uh, work with you on shortage mitigation? What's what's a good way to understand, um, you know, at the end of the day, these these medications help people live and they 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 are they're desperately needed. Uh, during the times that they're needed. So how do we ensure that we will get that allocation of stock on hand and on our shelves um, through some of this technology and through some of this this realization and, and uh, implementation of data? Yeah. Um, so that was helpful to kind of talk first about just making sure that everyone is following the same uh, processes and procedures. And of course, uh, um, also leveraging technology to help to um, make sure that, you know, the lowest cost options are being um, selected and just managing inventory. And of course, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, one of the, the biggest hot topics was drug shortages. You know, we were very concerned about um, supply coming from, you know, overseas, uh, a lot of um 
drugs are made overseas coming here, were there going to be any disruptions? Um, tell us a little bit more about how you all were able to, to kind of help mitigate um, on the early end of the pandemic. Definitely. I, I think the, the most difficult challenge up front at the, in March, I remember the, the cutover from March to April. Uh, that was a very stressful time for, for all of healthcare. The first step we, we needed to take as a community was understanding what we had on our shelves, visualization of inventory. In, in the world of pharmacy, I say this from time to time, our practice has not evolved in the hospital space for, for nearly 50 years. Uh, there's not a lot of automation outside of uh, certain technologies that are cost prohibitive at times. And there's just there's not a lot of standard operating procedure, as I mentioned earlier. And so in order to do that, the resource group did prepare and put together a documentation tool that would allow us to track inventory across our participant sites to ensure that, um, one, A, they, they had product on hand, and two, what did their day supply of inventory look like? After that, we were able to really see and really focus in on what sites needed the most support and help. And so across the system and with each of our participants, we, we have strong collaborations with our distributors and with the representatives at the at the medication distribution centers. And what we were able to do was link those representatives, representatives up with the, the sites, and we were able to problem solve and work through some of those more challenging back orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, now one of the biggest challenges with the supply chain um, are vaccines. So um, there are some some obvious challenges like the storage um, and then, of course, trying to schedule patients to get their second dose. Um, tell us a little bit more about how you all are planning and, and mitigating any challenges uh, associated with vaccine distribution. Definitely. I think, yeah, I think there's some, some really clear and uh, very transparent challenges that the media does portray. And then there's, there's a few, I would say that are more uh, behind the scenes and they're, they're, they're not viewed from the lens of a, um, a healthcare associate would know that's happening, but someone that was uh, just a layperson wouldn't understand that that was a concern or a challenge. And so the first two features, the first two challenges I would, I'd like to cover are more the obvious ones. Um, and the first of those being the, the cold chain storage uh, mm-hmm. and the difficulty of, of transporting that, that Pfizer vaccine. And then the second would be a timely and effective communication from multiple layers of not only governmental, but organizational uh, bodies. And so going back to the Pfizer product, um, this this has been you know described, this distribution of Pfizer vaccine has been described as the largest logistics effort in the world since World War II. And we mm. felt that up front and, and, and we knew that we had a challenge on our hands and we knew that uh, we had to build an infrastructure and we had to build in planning and that in order to not only get the Pfizer product on site, we had to look at dry ice acquisition in case we needed to recharge these thermal shippers that were being sent from Pfizer. We needed to understand which sites would we purchase the, the, the ultra low freezers for in order to maximize uh, the product that we were receiving. And so that that first piece was was very difficult, very challenging, uh, but it was rewarding to see uh, Ascension and our participant sites taken care of. Uh, very early in the process through acquisition of freezers, through the the management and, and organization of understanding where to procure dry ice. And then also, uh, it was nice to see products like Moderna on the horizon that did not have such rigorous storage conditions uh, that were required. That second piece, the timely and effective communication, I can't overemphasize how quickly 
information was, was coming at all of our communities during that 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 late November, early December time period, we were receiving communication from the CDC, from the state, a lot of our our county officials um, within our own organizations and across the country. Uh, it, it was difficult to keep up, and so within the resource group, we created a, a Google platform website to help with that and to help continue to push out uh, approved in real time information that our sites could utilize not only operationally but but in the planning process that stayed just in and got us ready for our clinics. Um, the, the, the hidden pieces of this and, and what I think, you know, is, is sometimes lost is going back to March when, when COVID occurred, when it happened, you could, you could feel the community banding together. You could feel that we were in this for, for the long haul, but it, the burnout is so real in healthcare right now. We're, we have nurses that have been working long hours, doctors, pharmacists, um, you know, everyone in the community across the country, they're tired and they've been through uh, what would many would consider a, a, a war of sorts. And, and with the enlistment enrollment of the, the vaccines, that was just an additional piece that was layered on that, that same staff. And some of the challenges are not not so apparent when you when you look at the resources, when you look at the real estate and when you look at the, the infrastructure that the healthcare systems have to dispense the the, pharma, the pharmaceutical or the, the vaccine in this case. It's it's one of those things where we knew that you know, the hospitals were, were probably the best way to get the vaccine to the patients. However, uh, we, we also had to, in real time, create those scenarios where we could see ourselves vaccinating, I think, uh, what President Biden mentioned the other day, up to a million and a half people a day. And so that was, that was a tremendous effort. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that's helpful. So what do you see um, of how the COVID vaccine has really changed the industry going forward? Definitely. That's a great question. So so at the beginning of this, I, you know, you started to look at uh, what, what was coming on out of, of different organizations and, and what kind of collaborations were taking place. And you really saw there, there was fear initially. We were scared and we were trying to coordinate and plan. But you saw a spirit of innovation that, that found its way out of the industry. And I think as humans, at our core, we're resilient. We're, we're uh, creatures that are able to adapt and we're able to take on challenges that are, that are larger than us because of our collaboration with each other. And so from the get-go, uh, that those unprecedented events that we went through in March really helped bind us together and helped to uh, evolve our, our strategy towards, towards uh, a pandemic like this. And so looking forward, if, if we take a look at what COVID's done and what, what it's really uh, changed within our industry, there's, there's three different things that, that come to my mind. The first is, is, is the, the possibility of having separate uh, annual seasons for, for flu and for COVID. The second is, you know, how can we make the vaccines accessible to, to countries and populations that do not have infrastructure to handle the vaccine in its current state? How do we, how do we get creative and, and really manage that. And then third, what enhancements within the supply chain need to occur to ensure that not only are we doing this in a safe fashion, but we're, we're communicating things quickly, effectively, and um, we're, we're allowing for that visualization I mentioned earlier to occur. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, um, you know, any a crisis has certainly made us uh, be more adaptable, and I think that it's shown a lot of um, determination and resiliency um, of the the healthcare workforce. Um, so, um, definitely being adaptable to change has been key uh, throughout the the past year. 
Um, so Derek, you've been able to share so much with us about the importance of the supply chain and pharmacy's role. Um, and a question that I love to ask all of our guests is what is some advice that you would share, uh, with your younger self or for others out there who are just getting started in their career? Definitely. That's, that's another great question. Um, I, I think before I dive into that one too, I, I do want to give a special shout out to the healthcare community, to our, um, more or less our, our family, our brothers and sisters that have been, you know, fighting this pandemic since March and have done it with a lot of resilience and have done it with, with, with a caring spirit and, and, a, and a gracious heart. And I, I'm just so proud to be a part of a community that, that rallies the way they do, that um, really doesn't, doesn't take the word no and stop there. So uh, first, I, I just, I wanted to, to share that. But I think if I were to look back on my younger self, um, Hillary, I think, you know, in the world of, of pharmacy, you know, training is is something that uh, is near and dear to hearts. And there's there's a lot of different avenues that you can move down within the world of pharmacy. And I would say to uh, to be flexible when I when I registered for Purdue and when I was accepted to the school, I wanted to be a nutritional support pharmacist, do a couple of years of residency and work in a critical care unit. And now I, I work with a, a mostly a resource and supply management organization that focuses on logistics and, lo- and focuses on uh, inventory management. And I, I, you know, in a million years, I, I couldn't have told you um, that that was going to be my, my destiny. But keeping an open mind and mm-hmm. understanding, you know, when you're when you're at work, you have to constantly be aware of what what gets you up in the morning. What do you enjoy doing? How do you connect with that? And if you can do that early in your career and you find something you love, uh, typically the rest, it, it's kind of cliche, but the rest will follow. But there, there is a tremendous amount of work that comes with that. So I would just say to any new grad coming out of school, anyone that's that's looking to uh, make their mark in the world, don't corner yourself to one area of practice. Pharmacy is extremely broad. There's a lot of opportunity. And I think if you just continue to um, focus on what you're good at and what you enjoy doing, you'll eventually end up in the right place. And I feel like I've done that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, such great tips for our new grads. Um, and Todd also wanted to recognize and thank you for joining us and sharing some more about, uh, the resource group and, uh, a little bit more about the services, um, that you all provide to, to hospitals and clinics across the country. And Derek, um, thank you for joining us. And uh, if our listeners want to follow more about Derek, he posts some great things on LinkedIn. Uh, so he's always uh, sharing some interesting things and it would be another great way to connect with him. So thank you both so much for joining us and being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you for thank having you, me. Hillary. please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist. 
produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 